Let's begin now. And a good Sunday morning to everybody out there. Jay Bakley, Grant Nicholson. Dustman had a little, uh, he went to the parade last night. And we always skipped an hour ahead. Jay Binkley, my man Grant Nicholson. What's up, Grant? What's up, Jay? How are you? You ready for Selection Sunday or are you ready for free agency tomorrow? Uh, I'm definitely ready for Selection Sunday. Really? This is the first time K-State's been involved in a, in a handful of years. You know my feelings on that matter. What seed do you think they're going to get? I uh, feels like it'll probably be a three seed. Yeah, I agree. Did you watch Kansas last night? Uh, I actually didn't, but mm. it seems like they got smoked. Doesn't look like it was close. Yeah, they did. They did. We had the Big Ten title game today, SEC title game today. And, of course, free agency legal tampering starts tomorrow at 11 a.m. Which I know you're way more excited about. I think America is. I do not think America is more excited for the legal tampering period. I think America cares more about NFL free agency than Selection Sunday. Let's be honest. That's what usually happens. The NCAA tournament's drowned out by free agency. And this is legal tampering period. The brackets that we talked about, I love the brackets. Yeah, you know, the gambling on them, everything. I love, love the NCAA tournament. But at 11 a.m. tomorrow, what's everybody going to be talking about? Uh, Who's going where? Tomorrow, like everybody's going to be talking about the brackets. No, no, no. no. It's going to be talking about who's going where. Because here's the thing. The league year starts on the 15th. So you still have a couple more days for that. But legal tampering is where it's all at. We all know that the first 48 hours is the most important in the NFL. Because you can't officially make the deals official until... The 15th, but tomorrow it gets hot and heavy in the National Football League. So you haven't felt that at all? You haven't sensed that the last couple of years? You haven't sensed when the NFL does this, that college basketball? Listen, college basketball is great. It's fun. But the National Football League beats everything, man. I mean, I don't know. I guess it's just my focus usually around this time of the year is on building a bracket and going through all the matchups and picking what I think happens. Even more so this year since K-State's actually relevant. So I don't, I mean, I'll see all the Adam Schefter tweets, I'm sure, and I'll be locked in, but by the time Thursday rolls around. That you're kind of singularly focused. I mean, your basketball team's good at this point. You're a big K-State guy. You went to K-State. You're a season ticket holder in football. Uh, not basketball, Grant. What's going on? Well, I, it's tough to make it to Manhattan 15 times uh, a year. I mean, if you're a real baller, you know. On a Wednesdays and Tuesdays. You told me you're a baller. I've got other. I've got stuff. I've got to do this stuff, Jay. I've got jobs. I think Kansas fans clearly going to be dialed in the tournament. The Missouri fans and the way the season is going. But around the country, I think a lot of people are going to be watching the legal tampering period. It will be the big story. Where who's going where, what deals teams are going to get. This is where the NFL te- season really begins to me. Is anything going to happen with any of the actual interesting storylines? Any of the Lamar Jackson stuff? Any of the Aaron Rodgers well, stuff? Lamar Jackson deal can't be officially done anything sure. until the 15th because he's franchised. So sure. t- t- But the th- can they tamper with him? Is that possible? 15th at 3 o'clock. We'll see what happens. Jets would be the the one team, and the Jets could save a lot of you know draft capital by, by well, they'd still have to spend two first-round picks 
on getting Lamar Jackson. He's 26 years old. But it looks like the Aaron Rodgers thing is going to come true, and we'll get to that in just a minute. The balance of power in the AFC, I think, is going to change in a little bit. But the NFL legal tampering begins tomorrow at 11 o'clock. The official league year starts at 3 o'clock on Wednesday. And it'll be the whole thing. Adam Schefter tweets will be blowing up. Watch for the fake ones. Watch for the fake ones. Because fake Rappaport, fake Adam Schefter, everything. Have, the NFL has been spicy the last couple of years. I mean, the trade deadline has been hot and heavy. Teams making moves, making differences to what happens. Look at, look at a big trade for the Chiefs this year. Kadarius Toney made a difference when it came down to the Super Bowl if they traded for Kadarius Toney. And I, I get Chiefs may not be huge players in free agency. I don't expect them to be because I think the draft is where the Chiefs go uh, to bulk up things. But you can get an ancillary player in free agency, 100% uh, the Chiefs could. And if a player's been released, you can get him now. But the bulk of it starts tomorrow where the legal tampering begins. You can talk to the agents, get the ball rolling. You don't have to worry about draft picks being taken from you if you talk to somebody. But all eyes on NFL free agents. This is where teams are built. Who even are the biggest free agents in the league? I can't even think of anyone who I'm interested to see where they go. Orlando Brown is number one. Well, that's fair. And Juju Smith-Schuster, I suppose, locally. Yeah, for Kansas City's perspective, we're going to sit there and look at Kansas City for sure. Uh, a lot of guys already, you know, in place. Derek Carr, obviously, already in New Orleans. Uh, that's going to be starting. But Marcus Davenport um, out there that a lot of people are going to be interested in where he's going to end up. But the bottom line is Orlando Brown, by the way, many sites will have him as the number one free agent. Isn't that funny? Because people didn't like Orlando Brown at first. I, I you know, sitting here on the post game show, just, I mean, he was the guy people called in and complained about. Was he the best? Was he perfect? No. Did he do a good job for the Chiefs? Yeah. What would you rather have the last two years? They had to get a left tackle. They had to do it. Like, that is the one thing they needed. And who gave it to them? The Baltimore Ravens. I remember having their beat writer on, Grant, and we kind of laughed it off that it wasn't going to happen. It was pie in the sky. You and I talked about it at one point, and we were like, yeah, that'd be great, but it's not going to happen. It'd be great, but it's not going to happen. But they brought their beat writer on from the Baltimore Sun, and we're like, you know, talking about this deal, and, you know, it's pie in the sky. And then I had him back on Sunday. I had him on, like, Friday night. And then I had him back on Sunday once the deal was done to talk about the deal being done. But that was the one thing the Chiefs needed was a left tackle. And a rival, the Baltimore Ravens, because I thought the Baltimore Ravens were the biggest rival for the Chiefs. You can make an argument that Buffalo was at that point, but Baltimore's right up there. Like, Baltimore was right up there with the Chiefs. Remember when they beat the Chiefs a couple years ago and they almost do a parade that they finally beat the Chiefs because Lamar was 0-3 against Mahomes that time? But they gave the Chiefs their rival. The rivals in the AFC actually helped the Chiefs. They did. And it's weird to think that because they won't do it anymore. It's kind of like the Patriots. They went and took advantage of everybody. And by the way, the Chiefs are happy trade partners with the Patriots. They did it last year twice in the draft. But why would you help them? How many people do you think shook their head in the National Football League when Orlando Brown came to Kansas City? I mean, I'm sure there were some people that were not happy with that. I mean, he's a self-made guy. I mean, he, he had a horrible combine. He did. He had 14 bench press reps. At his size, that's not good. And he slid to the third round, but just rebuilt himself and of course, he played right tackle in Baltimore, a heavy run-dominated offense. They actually set the NFL record when Orlando Brown was there for the most rushing yards in a season. Of course, Lamar Jackson, a big part of that. And then Ronnie Stanley gets hurt. He gets moved to left tackle, comes to Kansas City. Gave up a lot of pressures to begin the season. From week nine on, it was pretty good. 
in the Super Bowl, he gave up no sacks uh, to the number one sack team in the NFL, the Philadelphia Eagles. None of that offensive line did. And I like the offensive line gelling. I like them, you know, playing together. The Toonies and Trey Smith, the Creed Humphrey. I thought it was a nice little mix. And Wiley added into it, too. But the bottom line is people didn't like this move. And I couldn't figure out why. You weren't getting Trent Williams. They tried for Trent Williams. That That's who they wanted. That was A number one for the Chiefs. It didn't come out. Remember how hard they fought on him? It went down to like 2 or 3 in the morning. He stayed in Frisco. Which I get. It's a run-dominant offense. Uh, Shanahan does a great job at the offensive line. Didn't want to leave. But Chiefs had to have a left tackle. You, you think if the Chiefs would have called New England at that point? Because New England wouldn't have done that. Can you imagine... If New England in that run with Tom Brady, because the Chiefs were chasing them. Like the Chiefs were chasing the Patriots. And they were chasing the Steelers, that consistency of the Steelers. Can you imagine them calling Bill Belichick for a left tackle? Well, and especially. People would have hung up. Especially after they just stole Joe Tooney from him as well. You think the Chiefs would have treated a left tackle? Fisher, like, you know, at the end to Tom Brady, will say New England really needed a left tackle. You think Fisher was going there back, back when he was here? I would hope not. I would really hope not. He wasn't here, but grand scheme of things, good move because all of a sudden you got a guy in a trade that all of a sudden is the number one free agent in football, and you got two years of service for Orlando Brown, and you got picked 58, which was Nick Bolton. Brett Veach has given two nuggets the last two years in his pre-draft press conference. He said that two years ago, he said the second and third round will be the hot zone, and he was right because he drafted Nick Bolton, picked 58, and, well, he's the second leading tackler. Um in the NFL this year, the Chiefs' single-season leader in tackles. So you have him forever, well, until his contract becomes due. But essentially, you got him and Orlando Brown. I mean, it's a key player in offense. It's your left tackle in that Super Bowl. Think about how important that was. And think about Nick Bolton getting the touchdown, almost two touchdowns in the Super Bowl. That's when it matters, the postseason, what you do. And then last year, Brett Beach was talking about a seventh-rounder or undrafted free agent, you know, getting 1,000 yards. Pacheco led those guys, man. He was the best of the bunch. People were like, how did he get slipped that far? I'd like to see him get better in third and ones because that's where the Chiefs struggled last year. But those were the moves the Chiefs made that set up the team. And the moves will begin tomorrow. And the one thing about it is this team, 21 last 22 draft picks are on the roster. And I know at the parade they said 20 of 22. I'm, <laughs> I'm giving Brett Beach an extra one. I'm giving him 21 of 22 because technically Cornell Powell is on the roster. It's on the practice squad, but still a member of the Kansas City Chiefs. But that's how you win when you're paying 17% of your cap to Patrick Mahomes, which is the most ever for a quarterback to take up cap room and still win a Super Bowl. You know how they did it? Four rookies playing in that game in defensive backs. Trent McDuffie, Josh Williams, Jalen Watson, Brian Cook. You got Isaiah Pacheco, seventh round. The seventh round, remember how seventh rounders were always considered like a throwaway pick? I actually like seventh-round picks. Chiefs do, too. They got Pacheco and Jalen Watts in the seventh. Jalen Watts had two postseason picks as a seventh-rounder. A lot of times, they're just thrown around. I will give you a seventh. <clears throat> like the Chiefs trying to get a seventh from Fitton. But he only played one game in Atlanta. You know why I like seventh-round picks? Because you can throw a dart at them, and you don't have to worry about free agency. Like the UDFAs that come in? Because you technically have to recruit them. Because they can sign anywhere they want. And a lot of players will tell you, and agents, they would rather a player go undrafted than at the end of the seventh round. Because in the seventh round, they're earmarked to go to a certain team. And they have no choice but 
undrafted free agent, you can choose what situation you want to be in. But this is what it all comes down, Grant. What do you think this town cares about? I know they care about college basketball and the I, local teams, but good majority of people in this town didn't go to any of the three schools, and they care about the Chiefs. And even so, all those fans of the three local schools still like the Kansas City Chiefs. And you think everybody's locked into 11 o'clock tomorrow for the legal tampering period to open up? I think they care. I think they care. <laughs> okay. Everybody's so consumed with fantasy football and what goes on, the betting in the National Football League. It has become an animal, Grant. You have the draft and prime time. Draft is in Kansas City, too, which I think just takes things up a notch. I've never heard so many people talk about the draft, Grant. We're doing that podcast, uh, me and Nick Schwartz and Chris Unicero. It's on 610sports.com. Character concerns, we call it. We're starting our mock drafts tomorrow. But we're doing it with a kick this year. We're going all 31 first-round picks because the Dolphins lost one. So we're doing whole NFL, and we're doing all Chiefs. So you not you don't get one, you get two. Who who are the Chiefs getting at the end of the draft? The end of the first round? You'll have to wait till tomorrow. I've gone back and forth. That's, it was, it was, that's a hell of a tease. I'm Jay. telling you this much. It was Jalen Hyatt for me for the longest time. You think they go receiver? Well, that was before the whole Orlando Brown and Frank Clark deal. Now I'm sitting here looking at the draft board, and man, there's a lot of edges that'll still be around at the end of the first round. A lot of good edge potential. Yeah, like like uh, BJ Ojolari, these guys at the end of the first round could happen. And you might get a Jalen Hyatt in the second round. I mean, it's looking more and more like he's a second-round receiver. I like Darnell Wright, the tackle of Tennessee. Again, you can go lineman, but do you trust? Does Andy Reid trust a rookie lineman starting on day one? And I don't think he does. And I'm sure we'll get into it later at some point today, too, but there's no way the Chiefs are making 11 picks, right? There's no way they're taking all those selections. Ten. Well, still, they're not taking 10 selections, are they? There's a trade or something happening. They did right? last year. Okay. But I'm with you. I don't. I don't think they take that many. I think. I don't think they're going. I think seven. I think they could move up and down in different rounds, like second and third. Hell, they could even move up in the first round. But if they're going to make a jump in the first round, I go by the Rich Hill trade chart. That's what a lot of these these teams do. If you're going, even moving the top fifteen, you're giving up a one, a two, possibly three, or you can say that's next year's three, whatever. But you're giving up picks. You, do you want to make a Mahomes type move? Because <laughs> when when they moved up to 10. But to get to 15, you're going to have to move. But if you get to 15, you can get a tackle. I do believe they can play for you next year. Maybe not start at first, but play for you next year. Wide receiver like a Jackson Smith Enigma, somebody like that. You're not getting elite in either one unless you make that move, unless you make that jump. But sitting where they're doing, because they got curl off this last year at the end of the first round. You go two years ago, the top 20 sackers is actually 28 because they were tied. 18 of them were first-round picks. 12 of them were picks 1 through 15. This past year, out of the top 20, because there was tied, there was only 24 because when you tie them, 50% of them were picks 1 through 15. Meaning, <laughs> odds would tell you you have to jump up to get an elite player at either one of those positions. Anyway, we'll dive into that, plus the AFC, a uh, new balance of power as we sit on the cusp of legal tampering. Is it the Bills anymore? I'm not so sure about that. We'll talk about that next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app, brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. 
Jay Beakley, Grant Nicholson, Pins already want to go. Javon Hargrave, Chauncey Gardner Johnson, Jesse Bates, James Bradbury. What direction? I don't think the Chiefs dabble a ton in free agency this year. We have Ron Copper, we had Pride uh, coming on next. Check in with Pern, 2 at 10. You checking out any of this World Baseball Classic, Grant? I love it. No shot. I've been locked into these conference tournaments and stuff, so. Yeah, but it's, it's on late at night. It's on past them. I mean, you get a lot of games at 9, 8, 9 o'clock at night. I, you can't watch baseball at 9 o'clock. Well, last night, Dominican was playing Venezuela. It was off the hook. Then USA and Great Britain. Today, USA, Mexico. Burton was at the World Baseball Classic. It took place out there in Phoenix, and he's out there with the Royals in surprise. And the Royals, I don't know if you've seen it, but they're uh, kicking everybody's ass. Like they always do in spring training. I was going to say, they kicked everybody's ass last year. They like to win the Cactus League. Didn't didn't really help them in the regular season, is all. It didn't. Watch a lot of bad baseball. But they dominated the Cactus League, right? Get your Cactus League champion t-shirts. Anyway, we'll talk to Vern about some interesting things. Royals have guys, what, on seven different countries playing for the respective teams. Here's the actual breakdown, Grant. As far as if you're going to make a move or not, which direction you actually want to go um, to get. uh, Like 2021, as far as the top 20 sackers, as I mentioned, there's 28 of them because there's uh, eight tied. Round one through 18. They had 18 picks in the first round, but one through 15, there was 12. And so 15 through 36, so I made 18 first-rounders. Meaning basically 12 of them came picks 1 through 15. Five second-rounders, two third-rounders, a fifth-rounder, two undrafted. Now, this past year, a little bit different. Out of the 24, when I'm including the ties, um, 11 were 10 through 1, or uh, excuse me, 1 through 16. There was one pick at 31. So that's 11 out of 24, Graham. Four second rounders, um, five third, three fourth round, one fifth round. So the, basically, I mean, you can get the Max Crosby's, the guys like that later on, but you got to move up to one. I, I feel the way with tackle. Andy Reid to me, he wants that veteran. And I know Shane Bouchelle is poised to be the backup this year, but he loves that veteran. The veteran quarterback coming in here. Well, he goes in, you know, Carson Wentz has been talked about, and these guys have been talking. You're not going to like the backup quarterback because he's probably failed somewhere else. You're not going to like it. Chad Henney was an NFL starter. But you know what? When it mattered, when they had to have that 98-yard drive against Jacksonville, who did it? Chad Henney. Why? Because you didn't have a rookie in there. You didn't have a guy, very limited NFL experience, facilitating the offense and going down. Andy Reid likes a backup quarterback with experience, and I do believe the left tackle, too. Whether it's Taylor Luan coming in here as a free agent who hadn't played much the last couple of years, but he's a tremendous player, as you know. But a stopgap, someone to train another tackle, which could be an option, too, if they draft a tackle someone. But I do believe Andy Reid wants that NFL experience, that left tackle, some kind of NFL experience, and, of course, on the offensive line. And, and would you trust protecting Mahomes on the blind side with the rookie? That's the question. You really trust, you know, blocking a half billion dollar investment with that? Well, I mean, they had the opportunity to retain Orlando Brown Jr. They didn't like that option, so clearly they well, obviously like another option better. But he's going to cost too much, and I mean, he's probably playing it right because he's going to be the number one free agent. He's got his I, ring. He's probably playing it right. Sure, I just mm. 
that's obviously what they're trying to do is find another option, whether that's an NFL guy or a rookie or. It looks like Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet, which is funny because the Jets are kind of playing themselves because Aaron Rodgers didn't have a lot of choices where to go. Like he needs the Jets. Playing demand is not big right now for Aaron Rodgers, but the Jets keep sweet, uh, sweetening the pot. They're going against each other. But the Jets, to me, if they get Aaron Rodgers, they're now on par with the Bengals, maybe even better than the Bills going forward. They have the AFC Offensive Rookie, Garrett Wilson, Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner on their team. I mean, how can you draft better than having the Rookie of the Year on offense and defense in one year? We want the one thing they're missing, that quarterback. Your window's so short in the NFL. Look out for the Jets. And I think the Bills could be taking a step back. Bob and I were talking about this on Friday when I was in with Fesco. And, you know, Tremaine Edwins, Jared Poyer, looks like they're leaving the Bills. There was some discontent with Stephon Diggs at the end of that year. Which direction are the Bills going? I'm going to bring on from somebody from Buffalo later because you look at the, they were the Super Bowl favorites last year. But are they falling back? Or is it Cincinnati? And I've always said this, too. Pay your quarterback and then talk. Because the Chiefs can talk as they paid their quarterback. Because if you pay your quarterback all that money, you better be good in drafting and bringing in pieces like Jarrett McKinnon last year that was brought back to the Chiefs for league minimum and played a key role. I mean, the Chiefs went Sam's Club on this thing and still won a Super Bowl. They went rookies and rookie contracts and then had your Mahomes and your Kelsey on offense. Defense, Chris Jones, and the rest. They got the bulk rookie deals from Sam's Club. You did, but the bottom line is, I'm looking for the Jets. I think if the Jets get Rodgers, I think this is a different-looking team. But what's his inspiration level? You know, we all know Aaron Rodgers probably still paying because he's getting paid so much. Still in their contract. If he didn't have that, he'd probably walk away. But he did his darkness retreat, came out of the darkness retreat. Don't know if he saw his shadow or not, but it's looking like the New York Jets for Aaron Rodgers. I'm so sick of Aaron Rodgers, man. The drama? I just don't like it. I don't like any of it. The whole situation is annoying to me. Well, we'll talk Chiefs and Chiefs free agency next. Ron Cobb, ArrowheadPride.com. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. We're on the cusp of legal tampering in the NFL starting tomorrow. That's where uh, teams can negotiate with a uh, player to come to their team and make it official two days later. Joining us now, the lead analyst, ArrowheadPride.com, Ron Cobb. Happy uh, legal tampering eve, Ron. Ron. Ron, are you there? We lost Ron. Ron's there. Ron, you there? Oh, there you go. I hear you. How you doing, brother? Jay, hey man, I'm doing great. No, you're right. Free agency week, you know, it's, it's it's honestly one of the more exciting, crazy enough, one of the more exciting NFL times of the year. You know, regular season or not, man. No, it's it's exciting. I'm ready. No, I think it is too. I think it's one of the most exciting times. I think the uh, the draft certainly trumps everything, but I think this is right there with it. But to me, the NFL starts tomorrow, and I know we've had the combine and everything else. I guess you could say it's the combine, but to me. It's about filling out your roster here by having a free agency. I was talking to Bob. Uh, I was on with Bob Monday, and he'd rather see um, 
He'd rather see the draft before free agency. I'd rather see the draft. I mean, I could see that because teams would say, okay, this team didn't get XYZ player in free agency, so they need to draft them. And it kind of limits what you're going to draft because people know what you're going to draft. But I kind of like it the way it is. Man, yeah, that's that's a that's one of those things where like you you just never seen it the other way, so it's so hard to to, to know or like kind of understand how it would look the other way. Because yeah, I mean, I, I think it makes so much sense for it to be this way, where yeah, you have the established NFL players, you know, you have all the the guys that you know what they can do in the NFL. You you, you know you you sign them first, you know, you get them kind of taken care of first, and then you fill in the cracks to fill in your kind of long term you know, picture, uh, you know, cause you're not, you know, free agency is not, you know, meant to build long-term, right. You know, no one should be building their team long-term in free agency. Obviously Brett Beach for the most part has done a good job at, you know, Hey, if he's paying big contracts, he's paying for guys that are coming, going to come in and, and, you know, help them win a Super Bowl right away. Right. Frank Clark, Orlando Brown, you know, Orlando Brown Jr. Didn't get the big contract, but all that to say is, yeah, I, I think I like how it is now. You know, you get the, you get the established players, you get your kind of team kind of, you know, you get your, your immediate needs kind of filled in or kind of like you get your foundation laid and then you come in, pour in the cracks with your, your long-term needs, your kind of swings and, you know, at the quarterback, at the, the big position. So I like how it is, man. I, I hope they don't change it. I think it's good. Were you caught off guard at all that Orlando Brown wasn't going to be tagged again? You know, the more I, I was absolutely, because on the surface level, you're like, well, you're not going to just let him walk. You have to get some sort of compensation for him. And even though, yeah, you can look at the fact that they could get it or they probably will get, you know, a pretty good comp- uh, compensatory pick next year for, you know, if he does sign a pretty big free agent deal, it, it does make more sense, you know, the, 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 the more you look at it, right? You know, when you talk about how these two sides have been negotiating this long-term deal for, for long enough, right? Franchise tagging and, you know, extending that period pro- probably wasn't going to get either side budging, right? You know, either side was, was in a certain situation. So now – really the only way to kind of move forward or make any sort of progress on, on anything was to let Brown kind of see exactly what his market is. If the chiefs truly are disrespecting him with the, with the, with the deal um, that, that he's getting. And, and, and if, and if he needs to under, and if he's going to see that, you know, the chiefs are kind of maybe offering him something closer to what the rest of the league's going to do. I think both sides kind of understood that was the, the next step to make. So, you know, the more I think about it, the more it made a lot of sense, even if, it does end up that Brown is back in Kansas City. I don't think it's, you can completely rule it out yet. I, I think there are some things, you know, you heard James Paul on your guys' station kind of say 0%, and that's what made me say, okay, shoot, it's it's probably over. But I don't know. I really think it's it's, it's not over. I think you're going to see this this kind of, uh, you know, play out. And, 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 yeah, if Brown does get a bigger deal somewhere else, good for him. But, you know, I, I do think you could kind of understand that maybe the Chiefs the Chiefs could have an offer on the table that might be closer to, to what he could get on the open market than he realized. Well, Brown has some interesting things going 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 for him. His agents never represent an NFL player, which I think puts you at a disadvantage <laughs> yeah. when you're sitting down at the table with Brant Tillis and Brett Veach and you know guys of the Chiefs that have been there and done that and have two Super Bowl rings and you've never represented anybody. But let's be honest, in most lists, he would be considered the number one free agent currently in the NFL and obviously at one of the most coveted positions in the NFL and he got his ring. So I can kind of understand where he sits. Well, yeah, exactly. He's coming off of of a postseason run where, you know, statistically he he played pretty well, right? I think, you know, if you, most Chiefs fans, we looked at it, you know, we were looking at the the game so close, you know, that Jaguars game, you know, Mahomes coming up, uh, you know, uh, limp on, on that ankle and kind of having to play through that. I mean, you know, we see some of that, and maybe that's what what turns some Chiefs fans off from the long-term deal. But, 
you're right. No, he is he is the the best option on the market. But there are other options that that you could see them go towards, right? You know, the Bucks did release Donovan Smith, the left tackle um, that they've had for a long time. You know, he's he's a thirty. You know, he's about to be thirty years old, and and was dealing with a lot of injuries last year, which I think is why his play was down so much because he's actually he's he's been a really solid tackle for most of his career. Someone that maybe on a one or two year deal would make sense to kind of you know bridge the gap between maybe. You know, uh, you know, Brown and like a a, a rookie. You know, uh, if they draft a rookie this year and they kind of develop him, we've also got like Jawan Taylor from the Jaguars, right? The right tackle if they want to shore up, you know, that side. You know, obviously Andrew Wiley is also a free agent. We talk about Brown so much, but Wiley, you know, they have to make a move on as well. And he's someone that played so well. There's a team that maybe wants to give him a a decent deal, right? You know, they might have to compete for his his uh, play as well. So. Um, yeah, Jawan Taylor is another name to, to think about out there. But these are these are these are names that they may have to you know uh, commit a certain amount to, right? I'm really excited about the names in the draft, though. I mean, I don't know what they're going to do at offensive tackle and free agency, whether they do the stopgap or not. But I really I really hope that they attack it in free or in the top of the draft class, no matter what. Because I'm excited about a few of these guys at the top. Do you like Taylor Lewan? <laughs> I, I i'm sorry i'm out of that i mean he hasn't you know he's been hurt you know he's, he's very you know out, he, he's been very out of shape um you know, you know in terms of you no know, he looks great but not in football shape um you know and, and that's the thing i mean you know he, he's, he's he seems like he's on the edge of you know maybe just completely retiring and being in media he's great in media so he really should just dive into that and, and, and do that so uh i'm i'm out on that i will tell you you know mike mcglinchy with the 49ers gonna be sitting out there too right. isaiah win guys like that i I contend that Andy Reid really wants experience in, in two areas, and one of them is backup quarterback. And you're not going to get a guy that's real, you know, a popular name because he's failed other places. You'll sit there and well, this guy's failed. He's not going to be good here in Kansas City. But I will contend, I think it's different when you're working with Andy Reid and you're in a quarterback room with Patrick Mahomes all the time. I think that's different. And I know they're, we could look at it and say, oh, it's Shane Bouchelle's time to step up. I'm not so sure about that. And more you hear about it, you know, the Chiefs want that veteran um, quarterback still on the market to be the backup quarterback. And I understand it because when you get in a situation where you need that 98-yard drive against the Jaguars, Henny did it. And, yeah, yeah, Henny's been an NFL starter. But do you trust – would you trust like a Shane Bouchelle? You know, because if you're behind Mahomes, you're probably not going to play very much at all. Would you trust him yeah. coming in in a situation like that and going 98 yards – more than a guy with experience like a Henny. Yeah, and and that's the that's the always the 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 funny part about you know Andy's uh, you know he always wants to develop that kind of QB three that you know that undrafted free agent or really late round pick you know it was Tyler Bray at one point you know it was you know uh, Kevin Hogan or you know th- there's been guys and it's just always funny because you know no matter how much you show them you teach them you develop them they never played you know they were never the starter at any point and and that's why having these like Chad Hennies you know, makes sense because at one point, Henny was looked at as the future of the Jaguars organization, right? He was drafted to be that guy. He was given that opportunity to be that guy. And that's why you do have guys, and, and, and it is funny, you have a few guys like that on the free agency class this year, right? Carson Wentz was at one point looked at as the future of the franchise. And now he's kind of just a, 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 you know, a talented, you know, kind of a all-over-the-place quarterback that might have to understand that he's just a, a backup kind of, you know, in this league. And Marcus Mariota is another one of those that I really feel like makes sense. He, he I think he makes a little more sense as a, a true backup. Wentz comes off to me as a guy that's not going to accept being a, you know, a QB two in the NFL, but Hey, you're going to have to, at some point, it's gonna have to, um, but 
Right. And, but you can even make the case like a Teddy Bridgewater makes sense for that as well. You know, at one point he led, led an organization. Having that experience, like being a starter at any point in your career, I think that is super valuable. You're right. You know, and then you kind of forget that Chad Henney was one of those guys. You know, he, he, he was in that same situation as some of the guys I just mentioned. You know, and Matt Moore, when he was here, same situation. Andy Dalton is going to be another name out there. You know, he's 35. Right. Years old. Yeah. Andy Dalton's a good one. Yeah. He's 35, though. He's a little older than the other guys. That's the thing. The other guys are actually still in a pretty good age, just just turning 30. So you still, you know, they still have some room to grow and develop. And you, we've seen Nick Foles, you know, too. Remember, Nick Foles comes oh, to yeah. Kansas City, develops a little bit, comes back out, wins the Super Bowl later. You know, one of these guys could maybe make that case for themselves. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one to think about. I, you know, one that you kind of don't talk about enough, but it is going to be, it's, it is an important decision for them to make. I look at that uh, left tackle and backup quarterback. Those are the two, I think. Because, listen, there's rookies. Chiefs were third in rookie play, uh, snaps this year, only behind the two teams picking one and two in the draft, and they win the Super Bowl because, they, you know, they've trusted the youth movement. But I look at left tackle and backup quarterback as something that Andy Reid experience or don't apply. Yeah, and I think that makes sense, right? And I think you've seen in Andy Reid's entire history, especially, you know, in Kansas City, but before, too, he's always had, you know, a, a solidified left tackle. I mean, you know, as soon as Fisher leaves the Chiefs, you know, he, we have – we bring in Orlando Brown Jr. You've seen, you know, obviously had staples at left tackle throughout his Eagles career as well. But, you know, I'm going to flip that, flip that though, and, and talk about Spags' kind of tendency to have, you know, experience in certain positions. And that's why sneaky and free agency, watch out for the safety position. I really feel like, you know, losing Juan Thornhill, someone that, you know, I, I feel like could, there could just be a separation there, and I, and I, and I think he gets signed elsewhere. You know, I, I wouldn't just count out the fact that Spags could still keep Brian Cook at that safety three and bring in another veteran safety, you know, like, similar to what we did with Justin Reed last year, and have a, another, a, again, a solid three, uh, three safety set. You know, we know Spags likes to do that at times. It wasn't as prevalent this year as it has been in years past, but he likes to have a solid group of safeties. And there's, it, it's a really interesting safety class. You have the top-tier guys like Jesse Bates, Jordan Poyer out there, but you also have veterans that would make sense, like a Kareem Jackson or Rodney McLeod, the 49ers to Sean Gibson last year. If you want to just bring in that veteran presence and let, you know, let Cook continue to develop and play a lot, and he can still be the safety too, but you still have that good safety three if you want to have that veteran. But also, again, you know, if they want to take a swing, they could get, you know, a, a Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. You know, he could be your second safety. I don't know, uh, Jay, what do you think about that? I mean, a safety, the safety going uh, going hard after that? You know, I, I like I like Jesse Bates a ton. And not only is he yeah. a tremendous actor. Remember when he uh, fell down against the Chiefs <laughs> in the first game? Tremendous actor that he brings in. But when you look at the stuff run, and I, I was taking a look, you know, as, as I do each year, I look at the top sackers in the NFL, and I think, okay, where were they picked? And, you know, there was 18 in the first round in 2021 out of the top 28, which is actually the top 20 because eight of them were tied. This past year, 11 first-round picks out of the top 24 sackers in the NFL. Ten were picks one through 16, one of them one through 31. So to move up there or left tackle? Because, yeah, you could sit there and get like a Darnell Wright at the Chiefs. Would you trust that? at 31 to be your opening day left tackle. I don't think you can. And if you, the bottom line is, if you're going to trade down and get like a Broderick Jones, a Paris Johnson, or Peter Skronsky, you're going to have to get down there between 10 and 15. And you go down to 10 or 15, if you go just down to 20 right now, it's going to cost you a first and second round pick with the Rich Hill trade 
uh, chart, which a lot of these teams do, you're looking at making a major move just to get to even 20. You want to go to like somewhere like 17th, 18 overall, you're looking at a first, second, and a fourth. And then, of course, you can start talking about picks for next year as well. But these are big moves to move down where the Chiefs sit to there. Right, and and that's exactly why there's one prospect to me that, that they should really key in on because I do think he's in that sweet spot where you still may have to move up a little bit, but maybe not as much as you're talking about for a Broderick Jones, a Paris Johnson, and that's Oklahoma's Anton Harrison. I know he's starting to pick up steam. I think he, you know, when, when the draft cycle kind of first started, he wasn't really getting mocked in the first round at all, um, but he is kind of get, gaining steam. He had a, a, a good combine performance. He's someone I really feel like is going to be a good player. You know, I, I, you can just see it. He has the clean technique, the sound footwork fundamentals. He just needs to add strength, play strength. But if that's all you need to add, that, that's, I, I think that's great because you're going to in the NFL. You're, go, you're, you're going to. You're going to get grown man strength. You're going to get older. And so, yeah, I, I, I really think he's someone that, again, they may have to trade up a little bit. It does seem like he is starting to get to that point where he's consistently mocked in the 20s. You know, but that's better than 15 to 10, like you were saying, right? And and I do think those guys maybe are worth that extra, you know, uh, step up to get. I, I do think so. Broderick Jones, I, I I do like Anton Harrison more than Paris Johnson. I really do. But Johnson's, you know, his his physical uh, uh, framework and his physical profile is is very impressive. So and his his arm length, I, I can see why the Chiefs would really like Paris Johnson and the NFL does too. But again. I think they really need to target, you know, an Anton Harrison. So you, they don't have to trade up too much because I, you're right. I do think having this draft capital is nice, but I do want them to use quite a bit of it. So I don't want them to give it all up for, for one player. But, hey, if it's the right player, you know, I, I trust each of them to, to, to target the right player. I'd say that. Well, out of the 10 picks, how many do you think they uh, actually take? <laughs> so they have two forks, two six, two seven. So, that's 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 ammunition, right? So I do think you're going to see some trading up. I'm going to go ahead and say, let's say seven picks. I think they ha- they have a, such a young roster that they don't need to make a lot of picks. Um, you know, you can't just be adding a ton of guys, obviously, just not having the room. So move up a couple times, maybe one time on day one, maybe another time on day two, and and and, and then you got seven picks left. The way I look at it, there is is they sit there picking thirty one. I actually think it's basically like the 25th pick in the draft because I think four quarterbacks are going the first round, and I think a really good chance the two running backs and B. John Robinson and Amari Gibbs are taken. So that would put you at 25. That would mean only 25 prospects in front of that because the more quarterbacks that are taken, the more running backs, which I think really we're looking at a max of six. Is that fair? Is that kind of where you have? I have six in those two positions. Yeah, I mean that would make. Sense. I think Gibbs, you know, he, he he makes sense to go up there. I mean, you talk, if you include the tight ends too, yeah, like I mean, Golden think, I mean, you know, Michael Mayer, right? Michael Mayer especially, but you know, it does sound like guys like Musgrave from Oregon State are are, are you know catching you know catching uh, momentum to to move up as well. I mean, I don't know if you think the Chiefs don't you know don't need to address tight end first pick of the draft. That also helps as well. So I think you have a good point there. I um, mean, they need it right because. You know, this uh, there's some good guys in this edge class, this offensive tackle class, but they, they do need them to get pushed down a little bit maybe to get to them. Yeah, and there's a ton of edges too. So let's say there's two tight ends going the first round. Now all of a sudden you're looking at the 23rd pick. <laughs> Just now you're, right. you're moving up. It's only 23 guys in front of you that you would consider draftable players. I know we've talked about this a lot, Ron, when, you know, the thought was Orlando Brown could be tagged and coming back. We weren't sure what's going to happen with Frank Clark. And – so it looked like to me that wide receiver would be the way to go. 
And that's the most frustrating thing to me is because Mahomes doesn't have that. If I was to ask you, Ron, who's the second best? I'm going to say Tyree Kill is the best by far that he's had at wide receiver. Who is the second? We're talking about a team that's been a three of the last four Super Bowls. Team that's won two of them. Who would you say is the second best wide receiver that Mahomes has had? I mean, I think it's Sammy Watkins, and that's saying something because yeah. you know he he had him for only you know certain stretches in the in the playoffs. Uh, you know, not all the time. Um, Juju Smith-Schuster has a case. You know, make can make a case, but I think Sammy, you know, when he was making an effect, is more impressive player. And so I do think you have a point where you know. I, you know, Travis Kelsey is obviously in the mix here too. And so that always is going to, you know, change, you know, what, what the chiefs are going to do with their, you know, their path catching group, you know, you have to factor Kelsey in, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to just give your quarterback, you know, no one to throw to. And, and you can make the argument that in, in some ways, you know, last year it felt like that at times that the chiefs were making it work with all these injuries in the receiving core and Justin Watson playing wide receiver two snaps and they made it work. They want to, they want a Super Bowl with it. Obviously guys got healthy as, as the year, went on but that doesn't mean you just need to default to that but i i will say i I am interested in how they attack this receiving group right i do think you saw them have interest in at odell's workout odell beckham jr's workout um you know it sounds like they have interest in re-signing juju if you if you uh, see james palmer's reports but at the same time you know that would kind of leave the receiving group all of a sudden just in the same kind of in the same, um, you know, what it would look like from last year, right? And so there's really no change from last year besides uh, not losing or losing McColl. I, I would think that maybe doesn't, you know, ask you to, uh, you know, draft a receiver that high then. Maybe you do draft a receiver a little later in the draft because of that, you know, to develop maybe somebody while you still have Juju, you still have MBS, you still have, you know, um, obviously Kadarius Tony, although he's going to be developing, Sky Moore going to be developing and do a bigger role, so – I, I really want to see. I think if they if they grab another veteran receiver on top of what they have now, I can see them waiting to draft receiver later um, in the draft. But if, if they kind of leave it as it is now, I, I think they do need to attack it and, and get someone that can help uh, this receiving core right away. I mean, I would just like to see a stud that would go forward with Mahomes as that receiver because eventually t- t- or Travis Kelsey, he's thirty four, going to be 34 years old eventually. He's going to take a step back, and then who are you going to have? Because the Chiefs led the NFL in offense. Mahomes set a record for combined yardage as a quarterback. They were the only team in the NFL over 300 yards passing, yet there's only there was zero 1,000-yard receivers with this team. And I look at the MO of this team. What is this team? It's about throwing the football. It's about Patrick Mahomes. Keep him supplied. And I get it. Left tackle is a big part of that. It gives Mahomes time to throw the football. But, man, it took a wrench because I really, really, really want a wide receiver as that first pick, but uh, we'll find out soon. Ron, always good to talk to you. Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. Uh, let the fun begin tomorrow, my friend. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, Jay. Appreciate you. Let's uh, let, let's see what they do. Let's see how uh, how aggressive Veach is going to be. You never know with Veach, man. We, we could see something crazy get pulled out of the hat, so we'll see. Good stuff, Ron. Take care, my friend. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. There you go, Ron Kopp, lead analyst, arrowheadpride.com. We'll take a time out. We come back, Grant. I want to address something real quickly before we go to Vern at 10. The worst person in the world again. Serious, come on, man, here. Next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Text line 913-586-7610. The Jay Southland Coast Service text line. Honestly, is there anything better than the upcoming draft right after you won the Super Bowl? I mean, it's like playing games while playing a game from the 816. 
I like it. 816, exactly right, Bank. I like that too. This is fun time, Grant. All right, here's the deal. I can explain some to you. So I'm addicted to condiments. What, man? You heard me. Okay. So, Extrapolate. All right, well, so I found this, this Whataburger sauce at the grocery store, the Jalapeno Ranch. Oh, my God. It's like, it's like a game changer, man. 100%. Didn't we have some of that at your birthday party last week? Damn right. You yeah, did. I was about to say. I wasn't going to have a birthday party without that crap. And then I went and bought some spicy mustard or a ketchup from Whataburger, too. Freaking love it. The spicy ketchup is good. Anyway, that's so I'm big in the condiments. So anyway, I'm at this store. It's a big grocery store here in Kansas City. And they have a liquor department as well, right? So it makes it nice because they have a parking right out by the liquor store. It's all connected to one store. But if you want easy access to the liquor store, you just pour it down there. It's a great liquor store. Great craft beer selects. They have everything. Love it. So I wanted to get a few beers because watching sports, I drink beer. Shocker, right? I mean, how many people raise your hand if you drink beer and watch sports? I've been guilty of that. Yeah, everybody does. I can't say everybody because it's not right to say everybody, but a good majority of people do, and I sure the hell do. So I went and bought some beer. It, it was going to be a quick in and out. We all know how, how frustrating it is when you're at an express checkout line and someone's got like 50 items. Tell me, Grant, you're not one of those guys to ever count how many. Like you're looking at them and saying, mm, that's like 20 things you put up there and it says 12, right? Like that's very frustrating. It's like getting behind lottery ticket guy at Quick Trip when you just want to go in and buy something real quick. And you're sitting there waiting forever. Have you ever been frustrated with that? I, I've been frustrated, yeah. Of course you have. So anyway, I go in to get the beer. It was, you know, it was real easy deal. Park on the side. Just go right in. Uh-huh. Get my beer and go. Not go through the regular store. Don't do all that crap. Just get my beer. So I've got it. And I'm standing there. He pulls up in the liquor department with a full thing of groceries. And that poor guy that was, you know, he's just running some liquor, some some bourbon, tequila, vodka, beers, whatever, and be it done. Right? This guy's got a whole grocery I mean, he was sacking list. everything. Yeah. I mean, $187 this cat spent. <laughs> and I'm looking nah, at him. That's too much. I'm looking at him. You know, I, I, I knew he could tell I was frustrated because he actually said sorry. And I didn't say anything. I, mean, I didn't cuss or throw a fit or anything else. But he could see by my look that I was kind of like, Dude, come on, man. I mean, that's crap. I'm serious. You are a bad person if you do that. Because you know what? Get your ass in the store like normal people and buy all your damn groceries. That is for liquor only. Not only that, the store needs to put a sign that says liquor only. Well, it's for liquor and, like, sandwich stuff. Wait. If you got, like, five items. There's no sandwiches back there. I mean, I, I get well, it you know if, you, I mean. if one item and you got beer, too. That's fine. That's fine because that's a quick deal scam. Beer boom, and some boom. chips. Yeah, yeah. They the one buns. bag, they put the chips in the bag, gone, you hold your beer, and you go. 187 bucks, man. And then the line started building up behind me. They showed more frustration than I did. I kept my fr- fr- frustration inside. I wasn't in a bad mood. It was, you know, it was kind of chill day, whatever. But had I been in a hurry, I'd have been pissed. But 187 bucks at a liquor line. Come on, man. You Use some damn sense. Seriously. Josh Vernier from Surprise, Arizona, next. You're listening to After Hours with Dusty Likens on 610 Sports Radio and the Odyssey app. Brought to you by Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views.